and welcome to a new episode of PR360. And I'm your host, Brett Dysker. Please subscribe to PR360 on all your favorite podcasting hosting sites. Leave a five-star review if you like this podcast. If not, let us know how we can do better for you. And subscribe to the YouTube page for all the video episodes as well. But with me, I have Asi Singh with me, and she is the head of global communication at Linksys. So we're going to be talking about product PR, public relations, wireless technology, just a little bit because it is what Linksys is all about. But thank you for joining, Assis. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. And the first question is, all my guests is, are you a coffee or tea drinker? Um, I actually really like both. So, and I didn't drink either before, um, but I do enjoy both now. I do kind of veer more on the coffee side. I've become a fan of espresso and tonics lately. There's a coffee shop down the street from me. I like to walk to it in the mornings and get that. Um, but if I do have tea, it's usually herbal or um, sometimes I'm kind of really hankering for just like some good old fashioned like Punjabi cha, which is um, or chai as some people might know it better. Gotcha. So like, did you say coffee and tonic, like, or espresso and tonic, like tonic water or something like that infused with it? Yeah. So it's like this thing where they'll put tonic into a glass and then they'll just pour a shot of espresso over it. And then they'll like get some, like an orange peel and kind of like do the essence of the orange peel around it. It's like a whole experience. I love it. <laughs> really good. It's yeah. It's like an elevated Americano. Exactly. There's like refreshing from the tonic, but then you get your you get your caffeine from the espresso, and then you have a nice citrus um, after taste, I guess, from the from the orange. Nice. And I gave a brief some of your expertise, but can you give our listeners a little bit more about what you do? Yeah, you know it's funny working in PR. You have to be good at writing bios and positioning, but when it comes to talking about myself, I always get really tongue tied. Um, but I guess I'll, to give it to give you. A snapshot. Um, I've been exposed to a lot of different industries um, throughout my career of PR spanning entertainment, enterprise tech, fintech, ad tech, and most recently consumer electronics. Um, And when you think of PR, even with different industries, there are some really foundational elements that are present across all of them, like the art of storytelling, strategizing and molding a narrative that resonates, while also thinking about the reader and the target audience who's going to be eventually consuming that information you're sharing. So I think over the years, I found this to be one of the most interesting aspects of the work we do and an area I really, really enjoy. Probably the area that I would say I have expertise in. Nice. And then just getting into it, how has public relations effort changed regards to the technology or the networking technology industry, given the recent, well, supply issues and supply chain issues? Because I mean, for me as a techie myself, Trying to buy like a CPU or GPU a couple of years ago was the biggest pain in the butt I've ever had to deal with. Yeah, um, it's really interesting. So I actually I started at like Linksys a couple years ago. I am a I was a pandemic hire, um, and I it was also like one of the first times I worked in consumer electronics. So. Um, A, starting in the pandemic, and then B, kind of being exposed to supply chain and what was happening on the chip shortage side was really, really interesting. So I think when it comes to like the biggest changes that you have to think about when working with chip shortages or the things that are kind of going on within the industry is you're working with an ever-evolving timeline. So unfortunately, it's really difficult to, to be in this type of situation. 
um, especially if you're working with hardware um, that's been affected by the chip shortages. But I guess the silver lining is that there are a lot of companies out there that are also dealing with a similar thing. Um, and so I think when we think about what you should be considering or, or how things have changed, I think it really kind of boils down to some of the lead times you're working with, um, needing to start coordinating earlier just because some of these chip shut, ch chip sets, <laughs> chip shut, that's not even a word, um, chip sets, um, you know, you have to understand what time, what timelines you're working with and using that information to really map out your calendar as a PR professional, to map out what stories you want to tell and figure out how are you going to create um, stories and build buzz even through some of the lulls, um, let's say if you don't have a product launching. Got you. And so is there like a messaging for just in case, well, there is a shortage and you're like, we're sorry, we didn't really mean to, but... It happens. Like, is there a way to massage that out? Because I'm pretty sure no company wants to do this where it's like, we can't sell your product because, well, shortages. So is there any way to massage that out to, I guess, at least alleviate or at least tamper some of the frustration that consumers might have when they're buying stuff like that? You know, I haven't really been in a, in a situation where I've had to say, oh, you know, like product product delays per se, you know, I, as a consumer, and this is completely separate from working from Linksys, but as a consumer, like I know there are, there are companies where, you know, if you're buying a car and they're like, oh, we don't have, I have friends who are like waiting for cars for like three months. And then they get an email saying, oh, now it's four months or now it's five months. Um, and I feel like when it comes to like, when you're the consumer and when you're on the receiving end of that, I feel like what's really important is just having clarity and having understanding and having context. And I think when you think about it from the consumer's perspective as the PR person or as the person who has to deliver that news, it's really about putting yourself in those shoes to understand what is the information that I would want if I was in that position. So like graphics of like projected timelines and you can probably put some legal and like, well, this may change due to disruptions. Probably would help. Would that help with having like a visual timeline for people? I think, I think so. I mean, like, I think it really depends on your organization, how your organization communicates, what type of tactics you guys are you know, what type of tactics the organization uses. Um, you also don't want to just be kind of random in your communication. You want it to be um, thoughtful. You want it to be in line with, with your brand voice. You want it to be in line with how your brand communicates. And if a tactic that you guys use is visual, then that's great. But I don't know if it is necessary. Got you. And then for the PR pros that work in the B2C and B2B, because some companies do both, like, yeah. How does press releases differ from that? Because I'm pretty sure the consumer market, there might be a little bit different in how you say things to the B2B market. Yeah, the art of writing the press release. <laughs> um, it's so interesting. It's like the, it's like our main form of communication, right? Like as PR folks, um, that's has become one of the, one of the main pieces that we usually deliver when it comes to news. Um, so when it comes to writing press releases, I think there's a few things that, we want to keep in mind. Um, the first is obviously what is the news that we're sharing? And then we want to think about what is the ideal outcome of sharing this news? Who is this news for? And what message does our brand want to share through this news? And if you look at those pieces, they're pretty applicable to writing a B2C press release and a B2B press release. Um, however, where I think it differs in terms of like the 
the difference between writing a B2B press release and a B2C press release is the tone and the type of detail that you provide. So like for a consumer press release, for example, like on a product side, we're focusing on features. We're really trying to make the under, we're trying to make the language really easy to understand. We want to make sure the consumer knows how to apply this product in their life. How can they use this product? How can they, um, you know, can they, can they visualize themselves using this product and how can we make that easier for them to make those connections on the B2B side? I think there are other elements that really need to come into play. Like, if you're in an industry that requires certifications, like you're going to play those up in a press release. You're going to want to talk about that. You're going to want to talk about the application of the product for the business or for the trade that you're working in. And you want to also work in industry language, right? Like if you're in a B2B, if you're working on a B2B product, or you're working in the B2B side, you're working with, um, sometimes you're working with language that is really inherent to that industry and you're going to want to make sure that you have it included. So instead of, instead of kind of using more colloquial language, you're going to want to really use language that's important and imperative for that industry. So the people within that industry kind of know or, or do know that you know what you're talking about and that you are a leader in that space. Gotcha. So it almost seems like the difference between very technical press releases for B2B and not so much technical, but just enough for people to go, Oh, okay. That might be a new technology that I've never heard of. Yeah. And even if you're in, and even if you are introducing a new technology, let's say on the consumer side, I think it's really important that that consumer knows that you are a company, let's say you're like a company, like, like Link says, like we want to show that we are knowledgeable about our technology, but we also want to show that, as a consumer, we're not going to try to make this really difficult for you to understand. Um, because at the end of the day, not everybody can be a Wi-Fi networking pro, for example, but you want to make sure that your router works in your house. So kind of the fine line. Got you. And do you have any useful tips for PR pros working in the B2B space for the PR side of things? Because we talk about more technical, should they read up on some of the technologies? Should they for the most part, understand from a very broad base of what these all this technical stuff that we're talking about is all about. So at least they can answer questions from maybe some reporters or from customers. Yeah, I, I feel like I feel like whenever you're and it can be a B two C or B two B actually. I think it's really important to be well versed in the industry that you're in. Um, read the news that's in that industry. Understand where that industry is going. What are the trends happening in that space? Because what you're gonna what you're gonna do with that exposure to that information is you're gonna make you're gonna draw lines, and you're gonna be able to create more stories, and you're gonna be able to draw um, attention to the pieces that when you're reading an article, what is that journalist writing about? And you're gonna use that information to really mold the narrative and, and help draw and help create the story in a way that's going to resonate. So I think that exposure is super important and reading about the industry and what's going on and the trends and even like how the writers are writing about it. Got you. And then even coming from a, like a launching products, it seems like things have changed just a little bit since the past two years. I mean, we just talked about the chip shortages and is there any like things that you guys have or PR pros have had to pivot or at least understand about, I guess, a different way of product launches because I feel like it's a little bit different because not everybody wants to be lo physical to well, with everybody. Some people may, some people not. Do you have to take that into consideration now just because of people's awareness of a virus and then maybe some 
other limitations that you may not know about? Yeah. So, I mean, for for us in our space, CES is probably the biggest, was the biggest um, show that happened in the consumer electronics space. And, and for the past couple of years, we've kind of done it at a distance. So I think you have to be really malleable and you have to be really ag- agile in how you approach your comm strategy. Um, kind of similar to what I mentioned above with chipset shortages for in- as an example, um, you know, you, you need to understand those lead times. You need to you need to coordinate earlier. You need to figure out your calendars. You need to map out your stories and really be able to create a comprehensive PR calendar um, that, in lieu of you know maybe not being able to send product out, what are some of the other things that you can do um, to still be in contact with a journalist or still stay top of mind with that journalist? Got you. And then moving to more of a internal communication aspect of it. It seems like it got into the limelight these past few years because of how to keep employees engaged when they're at home. So is there any, is there any strategies that have changed regarding to internal communication that wasn't there before? Um, you know, I, as a pandemic hire, I don't really have a, I wouldn't be able to say, um, you know, pre-pandemic versus post-pandemic. But what I can say is that the core of an internal communication strategy, I think the essential parts are communication and and clarity. Um, I think I always try to think of what I would want to know. Again, putting myself in the shoes of a person who's on the receiving end of that communication and figure out, you know, using that as a guide to the strategy of what elements should be included in a, in a communication with a greater company, um, what type of pieces, what I want to know, and then using that to, to really write out a communication um, before sharing it with an, an entire organization. Has it also done it change, like do different types of content? Like you said, writing newsletter, maybe some video, if you, if you have the time and know how to a certain extent. Yeah. So, so I think one of the great tactics um, that can be used if you want to talk about internal communication is creating opportunities where people can come together, whether that's through, you know, breakout sessions or um, an internal town hall, um, but giving people an opportunity to come together and trying to replicate to the best of your ability those kind of in-office connections that we don't really have anymore. Um, so I think one of the things that that we do at Linksys is we have this thing called the Link Up, which is um, a monthly town hall where everybody comes together. We hear from our executives. We hear from different parts of our organization. They talk about what they're working on, um, and it gives people an opportunity to hear about what's happening in our organization um, in a way that, you know, if you're working from home and you're not always talking to people, um, you're not having those orga- organic conversations, this gives a, gives this gives people a way to still feel involved and still be, feel like they're a part of something um, while receiving information and, um, you know, having conversations with their peers. So it almost seems like empathy, but also participation seems to be the forefront in a lot of internal communication strategies where you want to understand where people are coming from, but you also want to have the feedback or input or whatever that you need. Yeah. I think the goal is always to deliver information, but the, and the way that you do that, you want to be empathetic in your approach and you want to be understanding and how a person is going to be receiving the information. Mm -hmm. And then do you think PR pros are spending a little bit more time than they have with internal communication because of just 
how important it is to keep employees engaged as much. Cause I feel like before it was a little bit of the back burner, but we would do something, but now it's kind of like, okay, we really need to like care about the employees and make sure they're on track, make sure they're well, well and healthy and all that other stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think if you're in an in-house role, like if you're in a company, you're working within that company, you're likely going to be exposed to it. I'm not sure if there's a general like monumental shift in the industry. Um, Personally, I love internal communications for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned in terms of like being able to connect with our, connect with my peers, think about the way that we want to communicate with, with our team members. Um, so I'm happy to spend time on it and, and really address those pieces in my role. Um, but I think it's harder if you're like on the agency side. I know in my agency roles, a lot of the stuff that we focused on was very external um, and didn't really focus on the internal stuff. So it really depends on, I think, what role you have if you are on the agency side or if you're on the internal side. And and I think that will sort of dictate your exposure to it and, and how you work with it. Do you think the PR agency should start to do a little bit more internal communications? I know that may not be their role, but should they add those services to it now for maybe companies that may not actually have an in-house team or may not want to have an in-house team? I I actually think it could be a positive um, if agencies were able to provide that type of counsel. Um, especially for companies that don't have an internal PR team um, or an internal communications team. I think, you know, having, if you have the expertise and you're able to provide um, that type of benefit to a client, I think in in any client um, relationship, the more that you're able to provide or the more that you're able to offer, um, I think the more beneficial and more helpful that is. Gotcha. And what do you think is going to be the future of just like the product side of PR? Because, I mean, we've talked about being flexible. I think basically two years was all about the pivot. That was all I heard is the great pivot. Is it going to be a little bit more of that? Is it going to be a little bit more agile? Are we going to be even more flexible as PR pros when it comes to product launches because of uh, the past two years and learning from that? Yeah, I I feel like we're always, we're perpetually pivoting in PR. I feel like there's always, there's always something that we have to be on top of, whether that, you know, whether that was social or whether that's dealing with internal communications during the pandemic. Um, And I, and I do feel like it's just, it's only going to continue to be, um, a situation where we're going to have to be agile and just, you know, be able to jump and run um, with whatever we're given. Got you. And do you think for PR, you talked about social media. Do you think that any of the social medias will play better than others when product launch happens? Have you noticed like any type of different ones that work better for you in general, or is it more of just B2B versus B to C, which social media works actually works better for product launches? You know, I think there are certain companies that do social media really well. I mean, we all, I think, probably think of the same company when it comes to social media that's just done an amazing job, Duolingo. Like, they have just done an amazing, amazing job, super creative. I think when it comes to social media, it, it really is about, like, the the person who's consuming your content. And when you're doing social media, you have your messages, yes. But at the end of the day, like 
if you're planning, if you're trying to go viral or if you're trying to, um, you know, resonate, you have to think about the person who's watching your content versus like yourself. Um, and I think that's probably the biggest thing when it comes to social media is it's yes, at the end of the day, this is for your brand, but what's going to do well and what's going to resonate is the stuff that people want to see. Um, and what people want to consume. Um, and so I think thinking of it from that perspective is really imperative when it comes to social media. And then I think the type of platform is really dependent on your brand. Um, if you're B2B, TikTok might not be the place for you, right? But LinkedIn could be. Um, you could find a lot more success on LinkedIn if you're, you know, the B2B audience is there. It's a more quote unquote, professional audience. People are there to talk about career, talk about their workspace, whatever. You know, that's kind of where LinkedIn is. And and TikTok, I think, is if you're a consumer company, um, you know, we see certain things really going viral on TikTok, skincare stuff. We see, um, you know, some electronic stuff going viral on TikTok. Um, and so I think it really depends. You kind of have to think about like where, again, like who's your target, who's your target audience? Where are they spending their time? How are they consuming? How are they consuming content? And what's the type of content that resonates with them? And I think from there, you'll figure out which platform is best for you and your brand. Yeah, and almost, I mean, do you think they, for PR pros, I mean, understanding trends, but trying to stay on top of trends will actually help with the viral part about it? Is that is that what I'm kind of seeing? Trying to figure out what's going to be the next trend? Um, it's kind of hard to figure out what the next trend is, like if you're talking about a social media trend, right? Um, but I think understanding how trends work and understanding the elements of a trend and understanding the elements of why somebody shares something, right? Like at the end of the day, on Instagram, for example, the the algorithm is always changing, right? The algorithm is always changing for all of these social platforms, Um but I think one thing that is constant is, are people sharing it? Are people liking it? Are people saving it? Are people commenting on it? And I think that if you if you can get on top of understanding like how to build a con- how to develop a conversation, how to connect with your end user, and and looking at what trends have gone viral and trying to dissect what has made them gone viral and try to apply that, I think that would be something that would be great to to build in terms of a skill set. Nice. And then fun question for you. What is one innovation you would like to see in PR that relates to products and product launching? I think it's the age old conundrum of PR, which is really connecting our efforts with sales, right? Like I think there's still that there's that connection is still kind of kind of missing. I think there are ways that we're working through it, but you know, having that direct connection of like this press release or this blog content or this piece of content actually lifted sales by X amount you're talking, when you're talking straight product PR, um, I think that would be a really helpful innovation to have. So you you want to go from just awareness because awareness is kind of like what's been the metric for a little while. It's like, ooh, we got aware. People know about it. So you want to see like the how did the awareness basically lead to sales? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. And I think, I think when you, when you're working in any type of, whether it's PR, sales, marketing, um, product, a lot of the times it really comes down to like, how are you affecting the company's bottom line? And so, um, obviously on the PR side, I'm 
complete believer that awareness is extremely important. I think there's value to PR. I think there's value to the work we do. I think that next level of creating, drawing the line would be helpful as an added bonus. So almost instead of awareness being to some people's viewpoint of vanity metric, it would actually be like something more of holistic metric of like, this is where the bit press release from this specific organization or media, how much this led to increased sales quarter over quarter or month over month or something like that. Yeah. Just Got a different, it. different way of drawing that line. Yep. Hey, <laughs> sounds good. I'd be all in favor of that. We always need better <laughs> analytics anyways. Yeah. I think it's, you know, it's another, it's just one more proof point. If we can get there, that would be great. If not, I think we're, I think we're, we're doing pretty okay with our um, ability to kind of talk through awareness and trying to, um, you know, even draw on things like social media and kind of show an article and how an article can have an impact. Um, If I can share one story uh, back in the day, uh, we, I was at an ad tech company in San Francisco and um, we scored this really great article and, um, one of the sales guys came up to me and he was like, Oh, Cece, you know, that article that you guys um, sourced when I was on a sales call with um, whoever he was pitching, he, the person on the other end had seen that article and was like, Oh yeah, I saw the article about you guys and I knew who you were going into this call. And so I think those are, those are the stories that are really nice to hear. I don't know if a lot of people do get to hear those stories, but those are the types of stories that I think also show value on how, PR can um, be beneficial and and is beneficial for for companies. All right. Any final thoughts for listeners? No, that that's it. I hope this was helpful for everybody listening. Um, I'm always open to more conversation. If if anybody has questions, find me on LinkedIn. Um, just my name at Linksys. You'll I'm sure you'll. I'm the only assessing at Linksys, so should be easy to find. Um, you can ping me, you can message me and thank you, Brett, for having me. This was a, this was a great time. Yes. And thank you for joining PR 360 and sharing your knowledge on products and PR and internal communication. Thank you. And thank you for listening to PR 360. As always, please subscribe to PR 360 on all your favorite podcasting hosting sites and leave a five-star review. If you like this podcast, if not, let us know how we can do better for you and subscribe to the YouTube page as well for all the video episodes but join us next week as we talk to another great thought leader in the pr industry all right guys stay safe get to understanding your products and get to writing those press releases and internal communications and see you next week later